0: Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning in to another episode of the Misfit Podcast. Goon Squad in the house. Assemble. Sub sub Um, how was the
1: Bahamas Hunter? Fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad. Uh, yeah, it got down almost 70 during the like kind of evening. So the difference between (laughs)
0: here and there was was only roughly a hundred degrees, (laughs) almost ninety degree difference between. With the wind chill, there were definitely moments where it was a hundred degrees warmer where you were, which is
2: a little silly. Yeah, that's not good. I heard heard it was good. You hear about the slab at the gym? Slab? Yeah, the concrete slab the gym sits on froze. So we couldn't have class on Saturday morning because had no water. Where the pipes split from the hot water heater,
0: one goes cold to everything, yeah. one goes hot.
1: It just. I did. I mean, I saw. I saw the text going through. No, and to- it was no like, toilet water. <laughs> I was like,
0: I was like, bring your own
2: toilet water. It <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I just remember listening. Flush, to- bring with you. <laughs> you bring a bucket full You're of water. Bring it with you. <laughs> people don't know that you can do that. A lot of I people don't remember, know that. Uh, I, mean, I grew up uh, well, so I used to that shit anytime I had no power. We had to do that. I just,
1: I just laughed when I saw <clears> Kyle send the text message that was like, "You should have seen everybody's face in the 7 a.m. class." Last when i they was like two minutes before the workout started and everybody was down fucking panic bathroom <laughs> break and kyle's like wrong bitches like <laughs> so we don't have toilets yeah eh, that, excellent that made excellent. me smile internally but <laughs> now it was a great time quick trip yeah very quick it was a man bless their souls for palmer and lizzie's souls for uh logistically organizing that because it was like i like Nassau, like you it was two two legs like Atlanta, then to Nassau, <laughs> then from Nassau to like You say uh, like a pole jumper? Yeah, like just a, a yeah. like a chartered flight from there, like a taxi to a boat, a boat to a to Jesse. the key, to the key, <laughs> and then but it was great. We had almost like an island, like a little mini island to ourselves. That's um, dope for the most part, yeah yeah Problem. shout out to palmer and lizzie i know one of you listens to the podcast so shout
0: out to you we won't say who
1: yeah <laughs> it's not palmer lizzie said, she, lizzie said she mostly just likes the trolling jokes and the snack chat as of recently so. all right well but, so
0: as a wedding gift okay um, yeah. snack chat what do we got you guys got to bring something to the table I mean, Can't just chat. carry you guys around my yeah. Snack yeah. all right well so we'll, just, we'll talk wedding. about snacks at the uh,
1: wedding how about that so we were um <laughs> we uh well, I'll start. We'll start at the. We'll begin at the end. The Ooh, uh, Tarantino the evening, evening, evening. Uh, like 11 p.m. dance, dance time when people are like switching to water. They pulled out the French fries and chicken nuggets, like late night snacks. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, How many nuggets no, you have? Most of them. <laughs>
2: There's no nuggets for anybody I else. Had
1: some. I had some chicken nuggets. I've and seen french inebriated fries. Hunter eat chicken before.
2: There's no chicken. For I've anybody seen else. Hunter yeah. eat chicken
1: for two hours
0: straight before. <laughs>
1: There were chicken skewers. There were put Tyson out of there were these <laughs> holy fuck. There were these like little uh, firecracker like sushi spoon bite. It was like the so like the the spoon you get for ramen. Yeah. It's yeah. like a bet like the sushi rice and like this little beef, like piece of beef. It was like beef sashimi. Was it beef or it was, <laughs> it, was beef. <laughs> it was beef. It, gets it was beef. Kids fired up. So it was so good. And they had like basically pizza bites. It was like, they were walking around. It was like calling it. Like it wasn't not pancetta. What's the, it's another P word. I don't know. There was, (laughs) (laughs) maybe, (laughs) but I was like, that's not whatever that is. That's actually just a bagel bite. And I ate like seven. Oh yeah. It's
0: like the, the person who's got like bread and ketchup and they talk about
1: the like wheat that was used in the tomato reduction. And (laughs) yes, yeah, very fancy
2: tomato reduction. Um, I don't know if I have anything. I'm trying to think. Sure, but let's go. The only thing that's gotten me recently in Snapchat trouble is that I found out that Chipotle delivers to the Wyndham Gym, which is terrible because I didn't need to know that information because now if I need food at a whim, I can have a Chipotle burrito at the Wyndham Gym in five minutes. Here, here's the question. Here's the question.
1: That is good news. Here, here's the question. You're in, an, you're in an airport food court. What are you going with?
2: <laughs> Beef jerky from a vending machine. 10, <laughs> well, so
1: I, I went... As, to smash town on Panda Express last night. Yeah, on the on the way back.
0: Is this gluten drew or not? I haven't it's no uh, restrictions. I haven't.
1: Whoever you want to
0: be. <laughs> I haven't. I haven't eaten it on purpose in t- thirteen, twelve or thirteen years. Panda. No.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh. Well, that's a lot. That's a lot longer.
0: Yeah, I probably haven't had Panda Express in twenty years. 15, yeah. twenty years. Somewhere in that range. Uh, I I did have a little bit. In, a little bit in college. Um. <clears throat> Honestly probably like a like a McDonald's Burger King Johnny Rockets like a chicken tenders and fries situation. Yeah. That's that's what Gluten Drew would do. Nice. Um me uh
2: I literally have to eat chips and beef jerky. It's like the only thing <laughs> in most, in most airports true. that I can We eat. went to that Miami that one time we went and spent $85 on a cheeseburger and like sweet potato fries. That one time was not Miami. You were going to, we went to that burger joint. There was like one person working behind the counter and we got the bill. And we're like, we literally bought two cheeseburgers. And oh my fries. goodness. No,
0: we were in, we were at LAX and oh, was where it was, yeah, LA. we were at LAX. We were going to Hawaii, right? Yeah. yeah no. Yep and we got we found a burger spot it was weird too because it was like covid ish times so like What's the trail
1: one we went on
0: yeah yeah but you you went a what day I- late remember you stayed to surf in maine oh, instead of going right. to hawaii yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what happened never yet um, Still one of the best swells that man has ever hit maine sick bro you know um,
0: and it was like a ghost town like it was weird walking around there all of the shops were closed there was yeah. no one there and there was this like oasis this little burger spot or so we thought gluten-free buns were like wow this is incredible literally we each spent like 50 dollars getting basically what you like a combo meal a slider yeah and then it was trash it was, so bad. It was trash you know like a smash burger that's not a smash burger it's just a thin patty that's I, not cooked. i don't know like, that <laughs> but yeah like, like gray meat oh it was bad Got it was, it, so it was bad. Not a sashimi good time. sashimi cheeseburger. this is la yeah that wasn't good that wasn't good at all <clears throat> all right uh so we have a q a podcast today we are going to answer some questions for anybody that's tuning into one of these for the first time uh we solicit questions from instagram and our discord we like to put discord first um, because those are people that are actively participating in the community. You can also actively participate in the community for free discord.gg forward slash Misfit Athletics. Get in there, chat with the coaches, chat with the people that are following the same programming as you. And as as we like to say, go find your virtual training partner, go find the people that are, you know, sort of working on the same things as you and getting similar times and base all of your good stuff on that. I would like to do one question first um, that I was asked to cover by quite a few different people. Um, Henshaw scared everybody last week when he said on Instagram, he's talked about what is wrong with zone two training. Um, and I immediately got tagged by multiple people. So I just put a generic response in there of, um, if you warm up properly and you base your wattage targets on historical data, none of what he's saying will matter for your session. What did he say? He's I, basically saying, synopsis? I, I mean, it was out of context, so we don't have the whole clip, but clickbaity enough to for, for aerobic capacity to put it up. And basically, if a CrossFitter goes in and goes really hard at the beginning of a Zone 2 session to get their heart rate up and then gets slower and slower and slower as they go, you're training your musculature essentially to... Start, you know, go out hot and then slow down, um, which is definitely not staying below aerobic threshold, especially considering what you're doing to your your muscle fibers. Um, one thing that I I will say as a catch-all is the more information that you have about this stuff, the easier it is to mitigate any of the things that he's talking about. So one of the things that we're currently working on that you'll see in the programming soon is essentially a It's not different than Maffetone, and it's not different than Zone 2, but it combines the concepts to a point where you are guaranteed to go in and stay under threshold and follow a linear progression model to add some wattage to whatever machine you're on. Now, in the short term, if you are actually worried about this and you listen to it, this happens a lot on the C2 bike for people. They struggle to get their heart rate up to a certain spot. Um, But the good thing here, and to sort of flip it to the other side of the coin, is the C2 bike is a place where you can really manipulate musculature, so it's pretty easy for me to say, wow, well, this isn't true. Um, so if you if you go to our website and you follow our programming, you're going to notice that we have a 15-minute warm-up um, that is built in every single time. Um, I am of the mind that if you're not doing this warm-up, you're not really doing a math session. Um, and there's actually another question and we'll explain a little bit more about warmups, um, further down the line here, but we have a 15 minute warmup, which is a really easy way to get up into that target zone. Um, and then basically the, the two things that you want to pay attention to is once you have enough data, you know, if I'm doing 45 minutes, 60 minutes, 90 minutes, whatever, what my average wattage is. Um, I'll go into a session and basically have multiple ceilings and floors and, Basically what you do is, okay, I averaged 140 watts last week um, across the entire thing. Hopefully you were just at 140, but we'll get there. Um, so you have a few choices. I feel like absolute dog shit today, probably go 135. I feel normal, 140. I feel great, 145. Um, and we're basically going in and doing that. So you have set a ceiling. Um, what I like to do with the ceiling is to also set my RPM ceiling there. So if I have a goal of setting a new sort of wattage record, I'm feeling really good, I had good sleep, maybe I'm coming off a rest day, um, I will add five watts, but I will make sure that the damper setting is such that when I'm at 90 RPMs, I am exactly at my new target. So last week I hit 140, this week I want to hit 145, 90 RPMs gets me 145. That way I know... That because I want to stay between 85 and 90, that I can trend back towards 85 if that wasn't the best idea. And we're still pretty close wattage wise to to where we want to be. Um, So basically, you stay in that scenario, you just stay between 85 and 90 based on your historical data and you have your heart rate, just you have it around, you know where it's going to be. I mean, if you have a Garmin, it can tell you, it will buzz you um, if you get below or above the heart rate zone that you want to be in um you can connect your heart rate monitor to the C2 monitors you can put it on your phone and you know have your phone nearby whatever you do to monitor your heart rate that is the other ceiling there so we know you know from the research that Dr. Maffetone did that you are going to stay within your aerobic underneath that threshold if you are there but that is as high as we want to go that is the ceiling of where we're at so um, basically we go in and, you know, hopefully over the course of time, if you put enough time in on your zone two stuff and your Marathon stuff, you know, your running pace or your wattage, whatever it is just goes up sort of little by little. And the good thing is the people who report that they are not making significant improvement on this pretty good chance. They're not following what I'm saying currently and could stand to start thinking about it that way, but they also notice a massive benefit within their actual Metcons and workouts I, because they worked, are staying there.
2: I say, I've never worked with an athlete who's told me that this stuff's not working if they are following the warmup protocol. The people that I've had conversations with, like getting frustrated over math yeah. stuff, are people who are like, yep. yeah, had six minutes. So I did like a two minutes, two minutes, two minutes to rev my heart up really fast. And then I started and I was like, eh. I'd rather you like push that to a day where you can give it this proper treatment of warm up, hydrate, mobility, then do your session. It doesn't make any sense to jam this in. And one of the things I've actually seen, not a ton, but a couple of times on Discord is people are like had time for a 25 minute math or like a 18 minute math. And it's like, it's good that you're thinking about getting that work into your programming. And it's awesome you on doing that but i'd rather see you potentially pluck out a couple things from your day if you really think that's a major gap in your game to spend time on that as opposed to being like i fit a 15 minute math session at the end of my thing because that's i don't want to be rude but like a glorified cool down for a lot of people if, if you're doing it that way it's not really yeah. the benefit we're going for when we talk about a math session
0: i mean and instead of calling somebody else i will call myself out i didn't have time for this i didn't have time for that how many episodes of whatever did I watch at night? What did my screen time look yep. like throughout the day? It can feel like these giant chunks of time are sort of weird to have placed within your day. But if it is a priority, it will happen. Yep. Like it just sort of is what it is. So um, essentially my goal with saying that is to let people know like you're doing the right thing. We just need to make sure we fine tune it. And one of the things that can happen is we in this room can make an assumption that other people are thinking about things in a similar way that we are. Um, and then when we see large groups of athletes say, Hey, I'm having this issue. Clearly we need to put the information out there for people to go and succeed. Cause a lot of athletes kind of just, you know, Hey, I'm paying you guys. I want to show up and know what I'm supposed to do and just do it. Yeah. That's where I want to put my eggs. I get it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we got for questions today.
0: Let's find out. <laughs> All right, sure. This is for you. All right. No, it's not Hunter. You asked
1: me this question. <laughs> Crap. Fuck. You, you just answered that. Reverse, All right. Reverse. <laughs> how come we don't use leaderboards? I love the discord channel, but sometimes wish I could put my scores and see how I stack up. All right, Danny Rivera, because you asked
0: and because people listening to this podcast are, you know, sort of VIPs insiders. Um, we are, adding fitter to the equation. Um, and this has been a longer term goal of ours. And one of the most exciting parts of it is we are paying for it. <laughs> the at, you are not paying for it as athletes. It is part of your subscription. Um, we're still working out some of the kinks, um, just in terms of like the technology side of things, but basically we are going to have one single place for athletes. Basically you can comment in discord, comment on the website, or in fitter those will be the three places that you can do that um and we've got the opportunity with fitter to have historical data that we can call upon it is very much an upgrade from any of the stuff that we've used in the past and the reason why we chose it um does percentages for you it can even do you know you know maybe like row pacing or something to that effect um we can have you know challenge posts where we're putting you know someone else's score is already up on a leaderboard and you guys can go in and, and chase somebody else so um really looking forward to that it is coming in the very near future it is something that has been a goal of ours again for a very long time to consolidate and get into one spot. So, um, keep your eyes peeled for that. And again, really want to reiterate it is part of your membership. This isn't something like some of the other things that we've you know partnered with in the past where you've had to go pay in addition and do that. Um, that is something where we are paying as part of your membership. All right, sure. Ooh, it's a long one. Thank I can, goodness. I don't have to, see if I can read, read this. That. Hey everyone really enjoy the podcast started listening after one of our coaches recommended it. Question is this started CrossFit in 2020, but always did some kind of high intensity interval training workouts in the gym, play pickup hockey hunters ears are perked up here. He loves to surf. He loves beef and chicken. Um, Basically having GI issues in the middle of workouts to take our 6.15 a.m. class and like clockwork in the middle of the wad, I'm lining the bathroom. I stopped taking any kind of pre-workout in the morning because it made it worse. I only drink water, beta alanine, and some elements. Sometimes prior to class, any advice would be appreciated.
2: Immediately comes to mind that you might be putting unnecessary stress on your body and a common stress response is an upset GI and know, we see this with athletes ahead of a workout, like just as affiliate coaches, you do your warm up, you get everybody ready to go. And you're like, all right, guys, three minutes, we're starting the workout. And all of a sudden the gym is empty. And you're like, fuck, did everybody go? And everyone's in the bathroom. So the first thing I would pay attention to is just like your stress response. Are you making sure that for many is like intense outputs, like CrossFit you have in your life? Do you have some on the other side of that coin that are more like relaxation, like meditation or yoga or stretching or breath work? Because it sounds to me like you're creating unnecessary stress in your body. And you might want to address like, am I without saying like self-creating it, but like, are you putting extra pressure on yourself? And that's one of the reasons why your body is reacting like this. Do you like, do you have to get a certain score? Do you have to beat a certain rival in the gym? That's kind of where my mind goes with this, because those are the people that I often see when I'm coaching class are the people that go to the bathroom, the people that put that extra layer of like, I got to do a certain performance in this class, and. And make sure I'm ready to do that, I have to go to the bathroom first. So that's kind of where my mind goes to at first. And second thing would just be like, what does your nutrition like uh look like the night before? Are you eating things that potentially are upsetting to your stomach? Are you, you know, maybe you've never checked and got like the blood work done or any of those like I don't know if 23andMe does any sort of food reactivity to it, but like are those type of things happening? Um, and then you basically don't know that you're allergic to potentially something you're eating, and that's why this is happening every morning once you start to like stress your body out with exercise.
1: I don't really have anything to. I was gonna say that I have like a forty-five think, minute answer. Yeah, why don't you get out? That it I'm then. gonna try go to pare down.
0: Yeah, right, I'm gonna try minutes. to pare it down a little <laughs> bit. Um, so, Ted and Sherb, correct me if I'm wrong. We have a morning movement article on the website. Yes,
2: we, yes, <laughs> we yes. Did. So yes. you're
0: gonna go to the website. You're gonna click on blog, and you're gonna find the morning movement article. Um, this could potentially be something where your body is not. Waking itself up with the correct, you know, sort of adrenal blood pressure response in the morning. Um, your element will help with that. I personally would go with proper uh, hydrate. Um, tastes way better. Yeah. It it I just I just would way personally. Properfuel.co use the code word misfit. Um, and so so that would be one thing that I would take pretty seriously is just this idea of waking myself up first because if your first big stress response is at the gym, that could have something to do with it. Um, in the gym, you have the opportunity to sort of use linear progression on RPE. Don't make fun of me. Um, just this idea of going in and doing a Metcon at 60% and seeing if this still happens, and then 70 and then 80. And sort of what that does is it puts the onus back on you are there to move and be healthy and not be as stressed about the workout. Um, another thing, the GI issues themselves should be something to address. Just thinking in general about how your, your personal digestion is, you know, do you struggle with digestion outside of this window? Um, and there are a bunch of different ways to, to, you know, do something about that. Feel free to shoot me a DM. Um, Last but not least, and this could literally just be a quick fix. Um, I've only ever heard of this in one other person, but if, if Max Bragg takes beta alanine pre-workout, he vomits every single... It fucks his stomach up like you would not believe. I was going to say that's another um, variable. But what's cool here is, is beta alanine is a saturation ingredient like a creatine. Beta alanine is not the kind of thing that you need to take right before you exercise. Um, We want to be in that five to six gram per day range and we reach saturation and then you start to see the effects afterwards. So if you can handle beta alanine outside of that window and take it every single day, um, I know people don't like doing that because when you get the tingles and you're not exercising, it's weird, but the more you take it, the less you get the tingles. So um, honestly, I think that's probably what it is. Um, and again, saturation ingredients like that, um, if they need to be moved outside of that workout window, it's fine. You take them every single day, basically indefinitely. And that's how they work. 45 minutes on time. All right, misfits, just a quick break to shout out our show sponsors. Uh, we would love for you guys to go to these websites, use these codes. It is the best way to support the podcast. So if you're a fan, um, we would really appreciate the support. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Misfit Athletics Quarterfinals Prep Camp. We're getting really close. March fourth and fifth, um, tickets are actually starting to get close to selling out. We want you to show up though on March third and do twenty three point three with the crew at Misfit Gym Portland. Um, I- I've said it. 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 I'm going to say it again. Um, the atmosphere, the camaraderie, the community aspect of it is a number one, the best part of camp. You're going to learn a ton of stuff. Um, You're going to get some good workouts in, but there's something really special about the atmosphere of a camp that's got a bunch of misfits in it. And we do already have a lot of signups, so it will be a great group. Misfit.camp.
2: We're also brought to you by Proper Fuel. You can head to properfuel.co. Use the code word Misfit to save on your order. This podcast is all about getting a little bit more information, a little bit of peek behind the curtain, asking those questions about how to get more from your training. Well, if you're looking to get more from your training and you want to make sure you have quality supplements, you can head to Proper Fuel. You can get your hydration supplement, your pre-workout with or without caffeine, and your post-workout nutrition. So you get the protein and carbs, creatine, and all the other good ingredients that help make sure you get the most from your training. And Again, you can head to Proper Fuel fuel.co use the code word it to save on your order
1: and last but not least we are brought to you by sharpen the axe some new swag just dropped some of the little by little gear a nice new tan hoodie from sharpen the axe and i think my probably my favorite short design to date with the uh the axe right on the right on the sleeve i'm much i'm a very much a uh, kind of Less is more when it comes to the apparel, so I'm a big fan of the new swag. You can head to sharpentheaxe.co.com, use your favorite athlete code to hook them up. We're getting closer to the season, the time of year where those athletes need your support so that we can help fund their travel to semifinals across CrossFit Games, so they can focus on doing what they've been training to do. Again, sharpentheaxe.co.com, use your favorite athlete code. Let's get back to the questions.
2: All right, Ryan McKay, how does one enjoy the Open slash quarterfinal season without doing the Open? It's a time to test fitness and all that fun stuff, but being injured has me sidelined the whole season. Tips to help evaluate fitness and mindset shifts moving forward to an affiliate athlete. Um. So, as
1: somebody who's I'm still kind of my hips still been bothering me and I'm like, we're getting closer to the Open here. Um, Excuses. And, Fox <laughs> Sherp's finally going to beat him. Um, I, I was projective too. <laughs> I, I, um, what about, what about coaching? What about, uh, so I was like thinking to myself, like, if I'm not able to like really get after it. I have at least a handful of athletes at the affiliate who have been like working really hard and it, we, we know Ryan, he's like been a remote athlete for a while now. Um, I think something you could look into ultimately, I think what you're, what you're seeking is maybe like a purpose, right? It's like normally your purpose might be to display the fitness that you've kind of worked hard for over the past year but having you know having been kind of seriously limited as far as what you can do um i i would say maybe maybe you find that in helping somebody else like using your experience to have like all everything that you have done you know a lot about crossfit you know a lot about how to execute these types of workouts Um, and if you're kind of shifting towards maybe becoming that affiliate athlete you will immediately kind of become probably one of the, you know, higher, you know, someone kind of up up there on the hierarchy as far as affiliate athletes go. And you could, you have the potential to um, basically give those people, maybe people who are a little bit lower level than you, who are going after their open for the first time or their second time or really trying to do the best that they can, but don't have the experience with things like strategy and warm up and like kind of just execution. Uh, I think you might be able to find... Find kind of a purpose in in coaching and helping athletes using your experience to your to to help them out. It's been a long time since I've been able to participate in the entire open.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I would say your answer is pretty spot on. Just that energy and that vibe that you get this time of year. Um, go into it knowing that you are sort of helping other people and participating in the community vibe of it. You're judging. Um, you know, he, Ryan likes to joke a lot, but he is a very thoughtful guy and athlete. And I think he could have insights for other people, Mm -hmm. um, within those moments. So use that and just stay part of the community, even though you can't necessarily do it. And then one thing that is really cool. And we've talked about this with like quarterfinals prep camp, you know, being in the room with the like-minded individuals, you get these, get these little bouts of like extra motivation um during these times and you can go find how and where you can test yourself you know after a you know it's, it's you watch mighty docs you can go fucking rip some some roller hockey balls in your driveway like yeah. like when when athletes come into town and you get that juice you know you go do the cube test or I go do something where I'm like yeah I I need to ask a little bit more of myself in this training piece. So I would say involve yourself in the community and then find a way to test yourself. If you're, if you get that like jolt.
2: Yeah. I mean you, what you and I did, or you were, I were training for this summer is just another example of that. Like, you know, potentially can't do CrossFit at the highest level. We're going to be competing. It's like, you know what? We've always both fucking hated running. Let's go run a marathon. And you could find something like that. I'm not saying I'm a marathon, but like maybe you want to be able to do 30 consecutive strict pull-ups or you want to, be able to do 50 hands, strict handstand push-ups. Like there are things like that that allow you to kind of avoid the injury right now, but can give you some goals to shoot for. That way you feel like you're shooting towards something. It just doesn't have to be the thing that everybody else is doing right now. And I think that's probably the biggest part of the FOMO thing is that you're not able to do exactly the same thing as everybody else, but you can look at that as an opportunity to be like all right, are there certain things I've been putting on the back burner that I wish I was better at that I can do right now? And let's kind of lean into that a bit more.
0: Also, go listen to David Goggins on the oh, yeah. Modern Wisdom podcast. There are a few gems in there that take your head and punt it 14 <laughs> miles into the woods and then you got to go find the fucking thing and <laughs> that guy, goodness.
1: All right. Uh, Heather, misfit member asks, grip on machines. So there's a kind of, why you asking me similar part question easy guy. (laughs) yeah you need that gripper over there uh one rowing hurts my hands i overextended my thumb in a recent row sprint workout two my hands always go numb while c2 and in real life road slash mountain biking any advice for those question mark and lastly when on the assault bike let's actually let's go with the first two because they're kind of kind of related and sure. Then we'll, we'll third one we'll answer.
0: Yep. Um, with the rowing, uh, I asked someone who was a rower, and uh, he basically said, "You need to row more." Um, it's the kind of thing where um, you might need to, if you know, if you did have an injury from wrapping the thumb, or you know, potentially having the thumb in line with the handle. Um, there are different positions where depending on how far you're rotating your hand, you could put over the course of, you know, strokes per minute, times however many minutes you're on there, you could put undue strain on there. Um, but the hurts my hands part, um, I had this exact same question and was told to row and there's no, like some people try to wear gloves that creates more friction. It gets worse, basically tape over the spots that are sort of the touch and you get over it by rowing more. Um, I think most people have felt what you're talking about with your hands going numb on the C2 bike. It's really about making sure that you're rotating hand positions, Um, your wrists, your elbows, your shoulders, a lot of spots on your body are kind of a poor design. Um, You're basically putting a bunch of cables through a really tight pipe is the way that I would think about it. Um, There's so much going on in there that things can be restricted and, um, especially if there's any scar tissue or something's overdeveloped or underdeveloped, nerves can get pushed on. Um, so you, again, rotate those positions. And then the only thing that I would say for people who deal with um, that numbness a little bit too much is cold therapy and hot therapy are both really good for sort of reintroducing like really good vasodilation and constriction in feet and hands. Yeah, I,
1: was, I was just going to add to the kind of looks somewhat similar as far as like just discomfort in like your upper extremities and like the the positions that you kind of get put in on a rower being seated and then on a bike like are kind of similar um so i would consider like either pre or post you know workout making sure that you are taking care of tissues that like a lot of the nerves that run like down your hand like up in the shoulder like underneath your underneath your lat like subscap area like if those if you're in like a really sloppy position for an extended period of time for, for no other reason than that's just how you're seated on the machine yeah. like you do what well, might start to get some sort of compression on like a nerve or something that's going to cause that numbness and tingling so uh, along with the rotate rotating positions like probably some soft tissue work prior, prior yeah. to getting started Yeah, you can well. also
2: potentially look into neural flossing. This is something yeah. I actually That's experienced with one. like overhead squat. People complain about pinkies going numb when they overhead squat and it's yeah. typically because the tissues are getting compressed. So if you like do a quick YouTube on like numb fingers and neural flossing, you can find like activities and they are silly as like putting one ear to the other shoulder and kind of rotating a hand back and forth. It works. But it works. Again, I'm not any sort of expert when it comes to neural flossing, but I've tried these videos for myself when I've experienced this and it's fixed them. So like- I would consider looking up just some neural flossing videos and there, you know, there are a handful of them on YouTube. And
0: you'll be able to tell too, if it's that, or if like, sometimes your hand goes numb and it's like, well, it's very obvious that I am constricting blood flow by jamming my hand where all the veins are into the handle. And you gotta, you know, I mean, the amount of times that I open and close my hands spending hours a week on the bike, like it just happens. Yeah. Putting all of your weight
1: on your third third portion of the question lastly when on the assault bike do you think of it as a pull or punch slash push from the arms or do you change it up so this is an
0: interesting question because i have an answer to a different question you push and pull the whole time um Now, obviously, if you are doing push-ups or strict pull-ups or something that is so obviously the same movement pattern, you can then decide to do one more than the other, but it is a push-pull every single time. If I'm using both arms and I'm pushing and pulling, I can spread around the musculature and what is happening and how I am creating momentum. Now, with that being said, your your seat position, how close to the handles you are, how far away from the handles you are, should be changed quite a bit. And you figure out what is harder on the lower body, what is harder on the upper body for you with your technique, so that you can game different workouts when you have bike front squat or you have bike handstand push up. Um, this makes a massive difference. So if you are like really like, this sucks. I've got to do whatever you know, lunges or something like that after I get off the bike, I set my seat further away and I make it much more intentional of using my upper body to push and pull the entire time. Obviously you're still using your legs, but then again in this opposite scenario where you really want to rely on your legs, I move that seat up a little bit more, rely a little bit more on the quad and, you know, get after it and sort of ghost ride the upper body a little bit more. Next. Uh, similar question to Ryan. How does one deal with the mental shift slash slight guilt that comes with realizing you'll have to prioritize other things over the open med school exams for this block run through two out of the three weeks of the open? And I don't know if I'll be able to carve out the time to complete all the workouts, much less put the focus into them that they deserve.
2: It's a funny way to kind of end that question. Like the, the focus that they deserve, because like it almost works in the opposite way in my regard, in my, in my mind about this like question. And that is like, it's perfectly acceptable to have other goals that do not relate to fitness. And it's hard because we're coming from a fitness community and we are a fitness podcast. And like, that's kind of like, you know, how we make our living, but you know i think everybody at this table and ted included over there have had times where certain things are priorities and then For as a you health age, and fitness podcast and then you decide to go and potentially Snack have podcast. other <laughs> or snacking
1: podcasts other
2: priorities and there's you know that that guilt that you're creating is i think unfair to yourself essentially i think that it's okay to care about something and the fact that you feel a little guilty means that you care a lot about it you also care about doing really well in your med exams and you have to ask yourself, well, what is the higher priority right now? And I think like your long-term career out, outweighs the potential gain of like, all right, let's put these exams, you know, let's do next year's exams and do the open this year. Like you would feel the same exact way the following year. So, you know, kind of being in those shoes, you know, right now, or like in the past, like when you shift priorities, it is perfectly acceptable to have, different goals and that means you can kind of put more effort into something else versus the thing that you used to do. To me it's just a sign of maturity and like kind of going back to Ryan's question like you can find other ways to lean into the community and find other ways to find enjoyment in the open that isn't necessarily just performance based. Um my my answer to this is a little bit more
1: like kind of bigger focus like I'm I guess I'm not I guess I can't assume this, but I would assume that you would have known this multiple months ago. Like you I'm assuming those exams are planned far enough in advance and the open dates are far enough in advance that you're like, this is gonna be a problem. I mean, I lost um, my
0: syllabus most of the time.
1: Yeah. So, <laughs> well you weren't applying <laughs> to medical school, respectfully.
0: <laughs> well constru- know that
1: <laughs> construction management bachelor's isn't the same as med school. <laughs> I was um, <laughs> So so it's Stopped like. So do like Ask yourself, like being honest with yourself, did you know that that was going to happen like far enough in advance? And therefore, what should should that have been addressed as far as like, what is my priority going to be? Or maybe it is just like that did. It's like, hey, your exams are this date. And if that's the instance, then I would say like one open workout realistically could take like an hour out of your day. um. There's plenty of plenty of benefit to stop like taking taking time again. I don't know what the exam the procedure as far as the exams go, how long they are, but I, I can't imagine they run like twelve hours straight for multiple days. You have a Thursday, you have a Friday, you have a Saturday, you have a Sunday, you have a Monday to do it. Um, so is the just the thought of doing two important things in your life appear making it seem more overwhelming than it actually is when it comes to like the day of it's like oh i do happen to have two hours and i do have a friend who will happily come in and judge me and i can do this workout and it'll also be a good mental break from kind of the rigors of having to deal with these exams so um i think maybe like the just the overarching stress might be maybe maybe is like you're maybe like allowing it to take over a little bit more than it needs to when it comes to just like literally carving out time to do this workout and then go back to focusing on what i assume is more important than this year's open in medical school exams
0: i mean it sounds like pretty standard fomo to me i would just flip it upside down and be like hey like I have much more FOMO for you being in medical school um, yeah. with like how amazing that is versus the open. I think a lot of times the open will be here next year. Too. Exactly. The open will be around. The workouts will be around. You can go test them, you know, after the fact, if you feel like you weren't able to give it, you know, your best shot. And then, you know, you're in medical school, so I bet you can figure out where your scores would have been um, on the leaderboard and have a really good you know, concept of where you're at.
2: What's also really cool, the leaderboard these days, is they have the hashtags where you can see potentially other people who are in medical school and how you stack up against them. You could have a different community versus the worldwide open. You'd be like, how many other people are in my circumstance that are also doing med school and the open? Oh shit, look at that. I'm like top three in the world in medical school doing the open. That's pretty fucking cool. Next. All right, Chad Scott eighty two. Sorry, the glare's a little rough over here. I never really have any questions for these that pop up. Uh, sorry I'm never having trouble reading it takes us the glare usually get answered via discord kind of moron, see the or the <laughs> podcast so Can thank you, read you
0: the f- bottom half stop talking <laughs> two-parter overall strength is something I always need to work on is it detrimental on the central nervous system or in other ways to work two major strength lifts per cycle for example snatch and front squat and would the back squat weakness template be as effective for other lifts such as jerks or deadlifts
1: just me yeah um i can't read it so again so is is it detrimental to the cns so your two examples specifically the snatch and the front squat i would say no that's not you i think you could effectively do that but as with any sort of any sort of like big shift in training especially swinging towards like major lifts um the 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 little things like your recovery, you know, across the board need to be need to be on point. And when we're talking about the like complex lifts like that, things like mobility, making sure that you're able to like you're hitting you're hitting the lifts that you need to and getting into the positions that you want. If you were saying like, should I do the back squat volume cycle and deadlifting at the same time, like that's that's probably a no. Um and then kind of your second example what would back squat weakness template be as effective for other lifts such as jerks or deadlifts um probably not uh just no. just the way that the, the 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 program is structured especially a jerk um it's just a, it's just a different different thing and deadlifting typically is done in quite a bit lower volume across the board like you know, in a daily session and across like a week on average than than a back squat for example so Um, I would be, I would be cautious of, of mixing and matching and just plugging different words into different programs and being like, this should work.
0: Yeah. I mean, the good thing is there are high CNS focus lifts in every single phase dating back. So it wouldn't be very hard to go onto the website and look at those things. Um, I am happy to put more of the high CNS lifts type stuff into the weakness templates. Um, My personal rule for most athletes, if they are actively competing, um, would be like three days a week, like a Monday, Wednesday, Saturday type of rotation with central nervous high CNS. I really don't want an athlete going in and obliterating themselves with something like that on back-to-back days. Um, now, like Hunter said, there's definitely a hierarchy here, like a high CNS deadlift versus a high CNS snatch are, I mean, they could not be more different. Um, I don't, there is no such thing as a high CNS jerk situation. If you tried to figure out how to do that and your limbs survived, I would be very (laughs) impressed. Um, we use back squats and cleans and deadlifts and power cleans or whatever. We use stuff like that to manipulate the musculature needed to do a high CNS type of jerk, like for a single session. Um, Now, two other things. This doesn't mean that you can't lift heavy lifting heavy. Isn't always fry your CNS. You know, we have the heavy days, you know, your, your four by ones in the 80 some percent range, depending on what the lift is, not necessarily uh, a massive demand on your central nervous system. And I mean, almost everyone now is wearing an Apple watch, a whoop or a Garmin, like look at your HRV, your, yeah. your HRV is going to be in the shitter. If you do too much, it's not hard to recognize that. Um, that's, that's not really that much of an issue there. And then I will just quickly plug the changes to the hatchet program. Um, the hatchet program is getting its own strength and a strength biased version of the program all the way through the entire off season. Once you guys are done with your quarterfinals prep and you are done quarterfinals, and this will answer, honestly, a lot of questions here, there'll be two lifts per day. And we are going to show you guys how within your choices, how to strength bias and how to conditioning bias your program. So I think this will take care of a lot of these questions. You're going to have the opportunity to lift quite a bit. Um, And as always, just the asterisk here, if you don't move well it. May or may not. Yeah,
1: that was the only other thing I was going to add. Your if your first two examples are snatch in the front squat immediately, I'm like, oh god, it the two most extreme like ranges movements with ranges of motion that are that are difficult to achieve. So, is it is it a legitimate strength thing or is it access to? potential strength with with good better positioning
2: i also think about like what your goals are is your are your goals to compete in the sport of crossfit can you lean into this stuff a little too far and potentially take yourself out of the this sport of like it's conditioning based i know you wrote an article about mm. how strong you need to be yeah. to, go to the crossfit games but like that becomes that shiny object because i was it's... out of date
1: like six minutes <clears throat> after it published so <laughs> goddamn strong nowadays
2: <laughs> but that the idea here is that if you start leaning into one thing way too far that you need to collect the other ones like what your big-picture goal was might get missed because you're leaning too far in one direction.
1: Okay, Kern, Mike Kern, Masters athlete, podium guy. Any guideline percentage check behind the misfit sets for movements? The four, so for, for those that aren't sure, misfit sets is basically you've got a movement, you do four sets of that movement at a for a number of reps that you can do basically perfectly and very smoothly. And then one set where you reach beyond that, where you kind of get your volume. So you push a little bit farther. Maybe it's not completely perfect, but you get one big set. So it's five total sets. Um, any guideline percentage check behind misfit sets, meaning is there a percentage that the max set should be of the smooth sets to check capacity? (laughs) Uh, if I do sets of six and then don't get double that twelve for the max, does that mean my smooth sets were too big? Basically, how do I pick my numbers for the misfit sets format? Without a uh, Yep. I'm yeah. just
0: looking uh, at the the final part here. Yeah, yeah so there's a couple of reasons why we do misfit sets. Um Big sets are important and smooth technical sets are important. But also, we just talked about central nervous system, which leads into volume and all these other things. Athletes aren't going to be able to intuitively guess at a granular level, like, how are my toes-to-bar misfits sets going to go today? So we want to get this, this misfit sets is sort of five smooth sets disguised as four smooth and then like, how am I feeling today? Where am I at? Um, You actually hit the nail on the head. I don't know if you already knew this or if you read this somewhere else, but that double number is important here. So if you are doing your misfit sets and Mike has the example here of, let's say he's doing muscle ups, he does four sets of six, knowing that he can do more, more than six in his final set. If he does double that, that's when we know it's time to, to move up in your first sets. I would just tell him to go to sevens the following week, and we continue to follow that progression there. Um, There are caveats to this, though. Volume does matter. The amount of reps you do does matter. So if I have an athlete uh, who I'm coaching and they have the capacity to do some ungodly amount of a movement, whether it be GHD sit-ups or toes-to-bar muscle-ups, within this, I will put a cap on them like you do get something out of four by 10 muscle-ups and then a set of 15, like that's a lot of work. Yeah. And is it worth it for someone who's, you know, really already crushing that movement to go in and obliterate themselves in that way? So you do want to make sure that you do the math out on what your goal is and ask yourself, like, is this going to kick my ass? Like people know, like I've had multiple weeks where the, you know, six by 25 GHD sit-ups has buried someone and it's clear that, you know, they just haven't done as many in a while, so we're going to continue to do that to get them to a point where it is okay. So, I guess what I'm saying is, if you have the capacity to do something, but you haven't been doing it as often, or it's going to crush your, you know, volume for the day, you really got to pay attention to those things.
2: Yeah, my only add, the fact that I'm doing these a bunch is that like you really want your smooth sets to be smooth. So like. I think a, a big onus on taking time to make sure that you're still warmed up, that you're activated and you're actually really, really smooth and clean looking with your movements so that you don't put the cart before the horse. Cause so I think it's really easy for an athlete to be like, oh, four is not enough. Like I say muscles, for example, when am I ever going to only use four muscle ups? That's not very useful. The point there is that you're getting technical refinement in those first four sets. And then because you are technical in the first four sets, there's less undue fatigue, which allows you to reach a bit bigger on your final set. So, you know, the, the max set should, you know, still have an asterisk on it. Like when you're going for a max set, we still don't want to go to the absolute point where it's, you know, by the end, you're like, Oh, that's not the same movement anymore. Um, and to use linear progression. Cause that's the thing that's been helpful for me the most is that like, you know, maybe the first week it's four, 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 and then eight, the next week doesn't need to be five, 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 and then 10 It could be five, five, four, four, and then eight again. The idea here is over time is that you still get more reps accumulated in your session across the entire phase as opposed to like making big jumps. I do think it's really tempting. It's something I've actually been working with Alexis on because like she'd tell me her smooth set of toes bar is 30 and then her max sets 32. And I'm like, we're not quite getting the concept here. And again, it's because she wants to overreach and get a decent amount of volume because she's good at the movement. But I'm like, let me see what they look like. And when I saw a video, I was like, all right, now I get a little bit more perspective on like how these are actually going. And it just brings up a conversation. of like, hey, what's going to move the needle most for you? And it's not going to be just gr- like gutting out bad ones. It's going to be moving really well yeah. to be able to stay, you know, in sync with teammates, for example, or stay within yourself so you can move on to the next thing and be smooth.
0: I do want to clarify a little bit. It is okay if you switch to fives and it ends up being five, five, four, four, but we're not that means that you probably chose a number that was too big. We don't want to get into eight, seven, yeah, six, sets. six, thirteen. Like we don't want that to happen. If you are going down in your smooth sets, that means that you, you chose a number that was too
2: high. I'll try again here. He three, any specific advice on improving my overhead squat and squat snatch. I struggle with those two lifts as a whole and can do only minimal weight. <clears throat> I've been working on my mobility and try to snatch balance at least once a week. <laughs>
1: Um, you can ask Julia for, uh, for some advice on this, but you need to probably come to camp misfit athletics, not probably, misfit definitely. athletics training camp, uh, March 4th and 5th, um, where you will spend a non-trivial amount of time sitting in the bottom of an overhead squat with an empty barbell over your grape. Um, if you are not able to get to misfit camp, you should spend a non-trivial amount of time with an empty barbell over your grape um literally starting with something like accumulating 2 minutes in the bottom of a sound overhead squat position with a PVC pipe if you have to and gradually building that up to a training bar and then an empty barbell assuming the position looks good and then you can go for for three minutes, four minutes, five minutes. And that doesn't necessarily need to be all in one consecutive go. It's I, I tell people like when they're getting into that sort of thing, cause and you can do this with a front squat, with an air squat, with an overhead squat, whatever. You need to spend time in that position to get comfortable there. So um, while a snatch balance is a is a great exercise for snatch balancing, um, you're gonna be better off by putting an empty barbell over your head and getting spending a lot of time in there. And once you feel like you're you're good at
2: that position too, you know, our warm-ups specifically for the squat snatch are extremely extremely thorough. You could do that, you know, two or three days a week, even on the days you don't snatch where you're like, you know what, I'm about to go do it. Great like active recovery sort of like like session. Like you're getting ready to do the overhead squat holds. You want to make sure you're ready to do that. Like go through the entire squat snatch warm-up that we have on our site and then do the accumulate time in the bottom of your squat. Because, you know, this is always goes back to something you've told me years ago, but like, you don't have the right to complain about something until you've spent enough time really addressing the situation. And I'm not saying that you're not doing that, but like a lot of times people think, oh, I've, you know, I do 10 minutes a day. That's good enough. It's like, well, you might need 30. And, you know, unfortunately, there's not like a perfect amount of time for every single person. We're all individuals are going to need different amount of time to get in those positions, just based on our personal history that you might not have put enough time in just yet to say that you've kind of earned the right to be like, what's the fix? I can't figure it out. For a lot of people, it's just time spent in those positions.
0: Both of your answers are things that I make CrossFit games athletes do. So this isn't some kind of like, like, Oh, welcome to beginners. Like, you know, if you are above things like that, you're not going to get to the place that you need to. Um, I have literally within the last week written, Accumulate seven minutes of air squat holds on Monday, front squat holds on Wednesday, overhead squat holds on Saturday, and then barbell therapy, which is the warm-up you guys are talking about in place of lifts. Like, you just do not do not put a bunch of weight on a barbell and sling that thing around in really shitty positions. You won't get any better at it. It will continue to get frustrating. So spend time in the positions both statically and then go through barbell therapy and really take the time to just become a technician with a barbell.
2: I'm 13 years into this and I still, you have this in my programming, you know, three days a week, got to spend, you know, 21 minutes a week roughly with a barbell in some sort of squat, like got to do it. You got to do it.
1: Fucking loser.
2: I
0: got my squat mobility from for like a very long time drinking a cup of coffee in the bottom of the squat every morning, staring out the window at the sun. Yeah. It works. I don't know whose turn it is to be
1: honest. My turn. Um how does one determine Tyler shangiris shangiris Uh how does one determine the minimum effective dose for one to compete at their highest level of competition? What would be some ways you can determine you are moving the needle as much as possible with doing as little as possible? Asking due to age, time restrictions, recovery limitations, life. Hopefully this makes sense. This does make sense. This makes a lot of sense. Um, There
0: are a few telling self-talk markers in there that I would try to be careful of just in terms of like like minimum effective dose is a good thing, but like, how can I do as little as possible might trick you into the mindset of thinking I'm trying to game this system. Um, doesn't exist. There's the secret to there's no secret to anything like ever. Basically you make your way through high performers at any level. And they're like, yeah, I work harder than everybody else. And for some reason, society is obsessed with like the wonder who doesn't study or like, Oh, he's such a natural athlete. like, The people, if you actually ask them and thank God for people like Kobe and Michael, who's like, fuck, you no, I work way harder than you. I am also better than you, but I work way harder than you. So don't try to say exactly. Yeah. So that would be one thing that I just picked out from that. But as a whole, it's a really good question. And I think people start on the wrong side of this question. They do too much volume and don't really understand why they aren't progressing. Um If you do too much volume and your personal life and your personal circumstances, basically have you buried all the time and you're not recovering, it's not going to do anything at all. Um, exercise is catabolic. It beats you down. You need those anabolic windows to grow from what you're trying to do. Um, doing very little and going really hard and putting a lot of eggs into that basket and then slowly adding and seeing again if it, you know, tanks your HRV, that sort of thing. Um, you know, it it sounds to me like there's a pretty good chance that you need your HRV to be higher just for your daily life, which is most people. Like those days where you where you log in and you see those numbers, like you can feel it, you know, doing spreadsheet work or working out in the gym. So, I would just say it's really important for people to start low. And then start to build from that point. That to me is always the easiest way to figure out like what is your minimum effective dose.
2: Yeah, and I always wanna think about like goals and priorities. Like if you have a goal and- Want to compete at the high level, and you're not willing to prioritize the time that's necessary to to make time for proper training windows, and you know enough time to recover between things. And the fact that you're like older, maybe you can't withstand three to four hours of training every single day. You like to have to have a realistic expectation of like what you're able to do. And doing what you just said is the smart way to start. Start with small crush yourself with, you know, 45 minutes, an hour of training a day. And when you do that for a long enough time where you feel like that, you can do a little bit more then you try a little bit more as opposed to just, you know, sinking three or four hours in the day and being like, I just did six pieces and I didn't have any time to actually warm up or cool down or hydrate or, you know, stretch all those other things that would make you a better athlete. Sometimes get put on the back burner because they don't feel like the meat and potatoes of like a training, uh, block or, you know, any sort of training, but for a lot of athletes, that's what moves the needle more. It's the stress and the recovery from that stress.
1: As the resident minimum effective dose guy, um, <laughs> I would just say that make sure that the training that you are doing has a purpose. Um, not only like for your goals, but you also have kind of a you have you have a goal within that that training piece. Even it's as if it's as simple as accessory work, if it's mobility work, there needs to be there need you need to establish some sort of like metric for success. Um, and the second thing, it, it kind of ties into the quest the that, but. Um, to compete at their highest level of competition what is your highest level of competition that you want to compete at and what would be some ways to determine you are moving the needle it's like again what needle are you trying to move what is the what are the priorities that you're trying to do is it i want to be as healthy as i am now but do be a better parent you know coworker i want to be i want to move up the the ladder in my in my job what is it what's the metric for success that you're after um and then see if the training that you're doing is is enabling you to balance both because right now you're asking you've got a question that says compete at the highest level of competition but working around the parameters of basically everyday life which indicates that there's obviously multiple priorities that need to be racked and stacked I see the two little kids in the photo too, which brought me to some of my conclusions. Yeah, there you go.
0: (laughs) This is me? Yep. With the open coming, it still brings the normal competitive juices out. If you feel confident, you'll advance beyond the open. How do you balance ego and the desire to redo an open work out? Um, When is it okay to redo an open workout in the new open environment?
2: Oh, how telling. I should also ask this question um yeah who are you answering this yeah, for myself <laughs> you or mike <laughs> for me and mike uh mike i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say you don't need to redo any open workout probably huh. ever however the one caveat there is that you know i had a similar situation last year with the deadlift bar facing burpee workout where you know historically burpees aren't a great movement for me but deadlifts are oh. and I decided to like i could do pump, that workout <laughs> pump the brakes on the deadlifts a bit and you know did the did my performance on camera for everybody and lost a hundred by four hours and got stuck in a workout that I thought I could finish. And it ate at me a bunch and it was more of a, not, can I beat hundred at the workout? But like, I feel like for my own sake, I should be able to finish this workout and I'm not proud of my effort. Let me try again. That would be the kind of the only time I would say is if like, there was some element to that, that you were like, I'm not proud of this, or I show them this instead. And it was more of like a growing moment for your like you was an overall athlete, not a singular performance. That's when I'd say it's okay. But if it's just like, I want to be, you know, the guy to my left, that's probably not a good enough reason to go and do the open workout again. This is what I think.
1: Yeah, I, I think the, the the one scenario that I can think of is if you made a serious strategic error in your execution of the workout to the point where it's like, I did that wrong, and it would be more beneficial for me to redo this in order to gain accurate information for future use at more important levels of competition. Otherwise, the open workout for just about everybody, you know, aside from the hatchet squad or folks who are pursuing the online semifinal or in-person semifinals and games, the open workout is going to be one of four or five training pieces out of the day that is is effectively just another metcon.
0: Um, you better have a real good fucking reason. <laughs> uh, believing your own bullshit is is kind of a silly thing. So, an exercise that you can do before you go to your training partners or coaches is write your reason down on a piece of paper and get into a little argument with yourself. Like literally, write it down physically. Write it down. Don't type it into anything. And be like, I'm gonna read this to myself. Is this? I just. It's a distraction. This is a distraction. In a vacuum, Sherb is 100% correct. There are reasons why we retest things. We go in and redo them. We do this all the time. Even if you're taking an affiliate class, your strategy was shit, or you didn't ask enough of yourself at a certain point. And the very first thing that everybody says is I can't wait to redo this. Now, you rarely redo it because it's rarely a test. But just that mentality of that is a good thing to have. Um, But if you get distracted during one of your final uninterrupted pieces of you know blocks of training um you're going to have an issue down the road so you could have a valid answer and then once you put that into the scales with what if this is the reason why i don't get my swimming session in and i don't get all my days in the pool in and then even though i'm the best crossfitter in my age group on earth you know the the pool sort of fucked me up a little bit so um maybe you replace it with that maybe if your answer is not good enough you write down what you're going to do instead that is a better choice for that time and obviously, Mike is, you know, trying to win the CrossFit Games this year um, and basically every year. So um, priorities are a little bit different. This question is, or this answer, I think, is very specifically for him.
2: To me asking it? All right. We don't know. A little banana, 24. How your training week should look during the Open.
1: Um. So it depends on... Who you are and what kind of programming track you're following. If you're somebody who is basically like the open is their Super Bowl and you're trying to move on to quarterfinals, for example, then what we will typically recommend is that you know, you train normally Monday and Tuesday, you do kind of a flush or your active recovery on Wednesday, you do a short primer day on Thursday. And we have a we have an article on the website that I think you wrote, right, Sherb, on how to how to execute a primer day. Yep um which is pretty straightforward and then you hammer your open workout on on Friday uh and then kind of reevaluate whether or not you need to redo it or you just kind of pick back up with normal training on on Saturday and then kind of restart so basically your kind of rest day shifts to a Wednesday um or if,
0: depending on when you do the workout the or, day deb- before, or yeah, yeah yeah
1: the day before the workout is basically your primer day the day before that is your flush day um for for those athletes who are pursuing you know who are confidently moving through the open and maybe even confidently through quarterfinals um your your training week is going to look pretty similar up until the point at which we get towards like quarterfinals and then semifinals prep in which that that changes around but as far as the open goes, um, depending on how many eggs you're putting into that basket, we typically say, like, if open workout is on this day, the day before that is a primer day, the day before that is a flush day, and the days preceding that are effectively normal training without beating the piss out of yourself. True.
2: Technical uh, uh, uh,
0: I think that's Jeopardy.
1: I think he started with something weird and then kind of switched to Jeopardy <laughs> <laughs> got real confused
0: who's gonna win the Super Bowl boys this will ooh, Hunter this, will, gonna win the this Super is, Bowl? is gonna drop the day after the Super Bowl who Eagles and <laughs> who's in it Fuck. who's
1: in the Eagles <laughs> I, I usually I usually Red watch Rockets. the NFC and AFC championships but I am not fucking tracking this Chiefs year. Eagles Chiefs Eagles man Eagles. what's gonna, what's gonna happen six? if the fucking Eagles win they What's going to happen win. to the city of Philadelphia? If
2: they Eagles are going to win. They
1: already. They they say they grease the uh, light poles so that people can't get yeah, up. Yeah.
2: <laughs> like
0: that's li- that's <laughs> like a that, that is that is a literal statement, and their their t-shirts yeah. that say it.
1: Grease
2: the
0: poles. People <laughs> say it's the number one city in the entire country for a celebration after after a championship. Oh my
1: god, I can't imagine.
2: I'm going to go Eagles. The, 31 weekend or next weekend? 21 it's this weekend 31 21 eagles sheesh what do you think
0: i the best quarterback the better quarterback wins the super bowl almost almost every time but we don't know is jalen hurts that guy because he looked like that guy this year so now it's the question of is he that guy i watched him back squat 600 pounds that's all i needed to see I've watched Patrick Mahomes fire a fucking football between his legs with his feet off the ground, (laughs) 89 89 89 yards yards and hit somebody in the fucking grape. (laughs) That's true. He's, he's, I mean, he's the most talented quarterback. I think to that I've ever seen play. I'm not saying he's the best, but he has surpassed Aaron Rodgers in my mind as the most talented guy that I've ever watched. He's basically fast. Aaron Rodgers, if we're being honest, that's what he is. (laughs) He's way more athletic. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But those, stupid shit that he does with his arm the plays that he makes are yeah so i mean do i have a future on the chiefs yes do i have a future on the chiefs beating the eagles specifically also yes um but in the past i have bet against the better quarterback and i've lost i bet on the better quarterback every time and i win some of the time
2: (laughs) hey oh nope nope Bless you. Hunter, what's your prediction?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Eagles. Two to one
0: over two one over time. Two one in wow. OT. You can make a lot of money <laughs> if you PKs? bet that. Gonna, yeah,
1: has, PKs. I bet if you would be the line on that. If, if I bet the problem $1 is you can't score two to one would you can't I can't score one, one. one point. That's true. That's a yeah. problem. Three go to three. But two. it would be if you
0: bet a hundred dollars, you would probably make like a million at least. A million. Go go put some yeah. Like if you bet three, two, two. Like four, 2 4 to
1: 4 to
2: 2 can match 4 to 2 three, three safeties three four, safeties my god four.
1: that would be incredible yeah uh, i might do four
2: that 4 to 2 <laughs>
1: i might do that sometimes that stuff happens fun. though
0: first play of the um was it the panthers that had the safety on their first play that year broncos panthers
2: What's <laughs> it wasn't I know the, the Pats had against the the Giants Brady got got sacked? Wasn't <laughs> so wasn't the wasn't the twenty eleven? Didn't the Bills game this year have some stupid
1: score when it was a, like in seventeen feet of snow? It was like it was like was that to, this year or last year three? when
0: Mac Jones threw one or two passes the whole game? Last year Stevenson had like forty carries. <laughs> yeah, they the Patriots just just did not throw the ball because they knew something bad would happen and yeah. they won. Did they win? I think they won that game.
2: I think they did because yeah. Josh Allen also couldn't throw the ball. And he's their offense. <laughs> you mean Brett Favre?
1: Okay. Danny Sakala asks is doing burpees for a math acceptable in place of 15 minutes to get the heart rate up? That, <laughs> that only takes 2 minutes.
0: All right. So for, for for <laughs> for listeners, um we've already covered this, but there is a 15-minute warm-up um, associated with math sessions that magically is also associated with every other conditioning piece that you do. If you come to a Misfit Training Camp, there's a good chance you're going to spend either 12 or 13 or 14 or 15 minutes on a machine um, to get started. Now, why do we do this? Obviously, she's providing a hack for us. I see.
1: It only takes you can two get, minutes to get my heart rate yeah, so it
0: only Yes, yeah. it only takes... I mean, I could get my heart rate 20 into, seconds. Watch in, this. Yeah, into math zone <laughs> Um, So that is one way to think about it. You could go do an assault bike sprint and then go start your workout. You all know what that would feel like. So you probably wouldn't do that. Um, When we are at rest, our blood is circulating mostly around our organs. Um, There's very little of it out in our limbs. And when we shock the system, we get an intense core contraction, which we don't want at the beginning of a workout, right? And it pushes the blood down to our legs because it thinks we're running away from a cheetah or something. When you do your 12 to 15 minute warm up, you are slowly sending the blood out to the entire body. It's delivering oxygen. It's removing waste particles. It is extremely important to how efficient you are. Um, so. While that is a thoughtful hack, um, it is the opposite of what we want to happen within this. The first time I read this, I was like, oh, this person can't get their heart rate up. Maybe they throw some burpees in between minutes 12 and 15. That would be totally fine. I do there's, that. There's nothing. I there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. When I do an intense workout, I shorten my windows from five, five, five to four minutes, four minutes, four minutes. And then I spend the next three minutes getting to what I would consider workout speed or beyond workout speed to really sort of get myself into that spot. So, um, it takes roughly, it takes a minimum of 12 minutes for your body to go through that process. And again, the reason is because our body likes to go through, you know, zone zero zone 0.5 zone, one zone 1.5. Um, when we slowly ramp up that way, again, you are delivering blood and oxygen to all of your tissues. And that can be one of those scenarios where you have an affiliate level athlete or, you know, even a high level athlete with a low athlete IQ come to you and say, man, why does sometimes I just absolutely blow up at the beginning of a workout? It's like, I mean, we used to call it a sweat check. We've been doing this forever. You know, we tell athletes, you know, before you even warm up, we need you to go do 15 to 20 minutes slow on a machine. Um, now we have a more specific prescription. both is fine. I just would monitor your heart rate every once in a while. Because again, if we make those jumps, if you use the wrong machine, like it's really hard to go slow enough on like an assault bike without paying attention to your heart rate. You can get into the one fifties and one sixties by accident and go, well, or you can't, but we what's can. that like? Tell me. It's not that great. <laughs> it's not that enjoyable. <laughs> TBH. <laughs> Next. Uh, Sherb. Can you give me some advice on training through a hand slash wrist injury? Stellar Weller would also like to know.
2: Well, one thing we've talked about in the past is that any single movement isn't as important as the stimulus the movement provides. So when someone comes to me with an injury, the first thing I want to ask them is like, can we create a similar stimulus using you know, what body parts are capable. Now you're saying a bum wrist means you're probably trying to do something overhead or a burpee or something like that. And you're going to struggle to do that similar thing with your bum wrist, but you might able to create, you know, a similar adaptation when it comes to breathing heavy. If, you know, let's say I had lots of burpees in the workout and you're like, you know what? Um, I can't do burpees because my wrists are bum, but I want to get my heart rate up, but I can assault bike safely and it doesn't hurt my wrist. Well, then we can kind of trade maybe one for one there, one calorie on the assault bike equals one burpee. So, um, Without knowing exactly what you're going through, Stellar Weller, I would just ask yourself is there, hmm. what about the workout? Uh, is I hope that's your real name. <laughs> what, what about the workout am I specifically trying to work on? And can I create a similar stimulus without affecting the injured limb? There, and if I can't, you know, one of the things that's really nice about uh, the way strength training works, if it's unilateral, meaning only one side is hurt and the other side is healthy, there's a decent amount of science that says if you train the working arm, the one that's not injured, there's a crossover effect due to, due to the like neurological pathways that your you know brain works with your muscles to fire those muscle groups. So there's still a lot. Lot of value in training your good arm or good limb if one, uh, what the other limb is injured because of that crossover. So, you know, ask yourself, can I create a similar stimulus and can I get some of that, you know, crossover strength by being able to use the non-affected limb and, you know, outside of that, am I paying attention to, all right, am I doing a little bit more recovery? So am I exposing myself potentially to more heat and more cold? Am I sleeping better? Am I paying attention to what I'm eating? So that this injury doesn't linger. And then Was there something in the way that I was training that potentially led me to be injured? Like is my front rack terrible and a clean and that's why I jam my wrist and can I spend some time improving, you know, maybe not my wrist mobility but my addressing my tricep or my lat or my subscap and all of a sudden things that, you know, tend to flare up over and over again repeatedly because I don't pay attention to a lot for a while. I basically get healthy, train for a bit, get hurt, get pissed and then uh, rest and then go back and do it again. Can I address some of the things that are causing me to have these injuries? So those are the kind of the three things I'd be paying attention to with someone who has an injury.
0: Uh, I had wrist surgery on my left wrist and eventually they were like, yeah, let's do it on your right wrist. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, So I've been through sort of those bouts of having pain there. I'm just sort of assuming that that's what you're talking about and maybe not like a broken hand or something like that. Um, really important for the wrists, uh, traction. So hanging from a pull-up bar. Um, it can be done in other ways where you're actually holding weights, but again, central nervous system, not great for that. Um, we want to make sure that range of motion is there. So really forcing the positions, really good front rack position, your you know, standard four-way wrist stretch that most gymnasts do. And then one thing that's really cool about the community is you, you know. Like I'm pretty sure it was Luca who came in and was doing the wrist curls every, you know, before he did any snatches or overhead squats and he had been somewhere with another games athlete and they were like, oh, my wrists always bothered me. Like here is my routine of what I've done. Um, and that's just sort of like a, where there's a will, there's a way type of thing. Athletes at the highest level, if they keep running into the same issues over and over are going to figure out how to do it. Um, so blood flow, traction, activation, all that stuff. Um, the wrists get pretty gnarly in some of the movements in CrossFit, and it can feel like you're really injured, and it could be more of a mobility, stability type of issue.
1: Only thing I want to add is what you said about positioning for other movements. Like a lot of people just coaching at the affiliate people, especially if you like sit at a computer, you're typing all day, that sort of thing. Like you're positioning in movements that like involve your wrist either directly or indirectly like you know a front rack or overhead squat position or or even like a like a handstand push-up or something like that if you don't have mobility say in your thoracic spine or your shoulders like upstream downstream is kind of the the code for improving like range of motion at a joint
2: amen nabil what should i do to gain strength (laughs) Three to five sets, three to five reps
1: with three to five minutes between sets. Yeah, I Next. mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I think Eamon probably
0: knows that lifting weights gets you stronger. Um, Hold on a second. The problem is we have so many skill-based lifts that are not only used to get stronger, but also typically the ones that get tested so maybe you are gaining strength in your back squats and your deadlifts, um, and then are not carrying the skill component, having the skill transfer to be able to do that. We need a way more context than this to answer this question. Um, but again, I mean, I don't know that what Hunter said is, is just sort of the reality of the situation. It's a physics equation. And if you really care about it, you're going to figure out how to get stronger. And I can tell you right now, um, when other athletes come over to us from other programs are like wow that's a lot of lifting that kind of thing so um i don't think you're you know if you're following the blog you're not in a scenario where we're just sort of saying it doesn't it doesn't matter as much to us um you know we're the type of programming we're all in on conditioning we don't care about the strength side of things um that's just not the case so you know do your lifts do your accessory
2: work and if your skill lifts aren't pretty make them pretty and then add weight also, make sure you are sleeping enough and eating enough to support the adaptations you're True. trying to go after because there are plenty of athletes that work so hard, but then don't pay attention to how much they're sleeping and how much they're fueling. This is something I am definitely guilty of myself. Like, try to get a lot of sleep, but sometimes the nutrition thing becomes on the back burner because you get busy with life and all of a sudden you're like, sick. I worked out for three hours a day and ate like 50 grams of protein and 100 grams of carbs and I'm wasting away and wondering why these things aren't proving. A lot of times, it's athletes that don't pay attention to what they're putting in their body have no clue of what their actual input is. And it might not be consistent enough to allow you to get stronger.
1: The sleep thing is so important. You basically get free steroids for every time you enter a slow wave sleep cycle or deep sleep. And that happens predominantly at the front end of your sleeping. Um, and also won't happen if you go to bed like significantly later, it's not like if I go to, (laughs) if I go to bed at 1am, like I'll just, and you know, normally I go to bed at nine, uh, like you're going to you're going to miss out on the the growth hormone dump that happens when you enter slow wave sleep so free steroids for for president yeah a little a
0: little visual for you uh low testosterone hammer is the weightlifting and you are the nail um and then normal to high testosterone you know that equation flips pretty quickly um, we're spending these short times breaking muscle tissue down and then all this other time we're rebuilding or is it you break your tissues down you don't recover and then you break them down further
2: guilty
1: Zach series asks any chance daily programming can include post-training recovery Um, so certain
0: resources where we talk about or explain how to do these things would be really important to pay attention to Um, we've had Different um, levels of engagement with this stuff through Discord, YouTube, the podcast, articles. Um, I'm not going to be able to tell you what stretches that you need to do or how much time you need to spend with a Theragon. Um, there are, even at the level of like a warm up, um, there are just so much nuance within what you need to do for yourself as an athlete. Um, and I totally understand the idea of wanting someone else to help you be accountable with it. Um, so, you know, asking for advice on discord when it's very specific, I am struggling with X. What do I do to achieve the outcome that I am looking for? Um, that will help with accountability. Having someone that you stretch with at the gym, Hey, take a 9am class, let's meet at eight 30. We're going to couch stretch. We're going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, that mindset, can be challenging to get into when you're on an island. So create some sort of support system there. And then eventually when it becomes habitual, um, then you just, you know, sort of become more disciplined with it and you get it done. Um, But we're always going to talk about recovery and recovery tools and talk to our athletes about that stuff, but it has to be specific to you for it to work well. So, Um, you know, there are some catch-alls the the pliability stuff is great. Um, you're going to actually spend time in enough positions while you're rotating through and just following their regular programming that that should help. And then eventually you can sort of know, you know, through test and retest what stretches are helping you the most, but, um, it's a
2: very personal question. So find a
0: accountability buddy
2: and get after it. Yeah, I really like the pliability mostly because it's got, they've gamified it. They have now, you can see your streaks, how much time you spend each week in it. And if you're someone like me who likes to have like proof of concept that you're getting better at this stuff, nothing better than finding a way to gamify it, which is, you know, why a partner is so good. They drag you into it, make you do it in the days you don't want to. And if you don't have something like that, you use one of those apps and all of a sudden you can see how much time you spend there and you can kind of connect the dots between, Hey, I felt really good the last month. And, Oh, look, I spent, you know, 300 minutes and doing uh, mobility last month. Now this month I did 15 minutes and I felt terrible all month or as proof of concept that I need to spend more time doing those things.
0: Is it a coincidence that it says Ramwad in his hey. picture up in the top left there?
2: <laughs> Andrew McFarlane. Hey bud. 23.1 nah,
1: Drew, predictions. Drew, uh, Drew, it's Drew's turn now. Um, jump ahead.
0: Andrew McFarlane. 21 point. Hey, bud. 20, <laughs> 23.1 predictions. I went
2: to high school with him. That's why I said that. Uh 23.1. I said it because he was nice enough to ask a question. Predictions.
0: Pain. I have no
2: idea. <laughs> I humor the people. Oh, man. I'm gonna go with Bar facing burpee, deadlift, ground overhead, chest of bar pull up. Gross, dickhead. Ooh. <laughs> that would be real <laughs> shitty. I agree. I think they like to set the tone. I just,
1: um, I'm gonna go deadlift, bar facing burpee, retest ladder,
0: power snatch, burpee box jump over, short. So like a 21-15-9 kind of vibe. Nah, not, would. not
1: accessible enough. All right, 2016.
0: Not accessible enough, you guys over there with your high-skill movements.
1: I said burpee deadlift.
0: High-skill. I didn't pay attention to what you sure. said. He said chest bar I did say chest-to-bar. Yep. Next. I also just thought you were trolling, saying you wanted that workout to come back up.
2: I am. Okay, Fair. All right. Ambrosia Moore, 18 for someone trying to get the next level in CrossFit. How do you recommend starting? Can you provide context for what starting means? Do you want to ans- start answering this question? Because you you know who they asked this. So Ambrosia is someone that we met at the car. I met at the CrossFit Games with Sophie. She was a fan of Sophie Shaft, Saw her compete at the CrossFit Games. I was like, fuck, I want to do that. And I was like, awesome. And then she's like, I actually live in Maine. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. You live in Maine. Where is it? And she's like, I live near Wyndham. I'm like, excellent. We have a gym there come visit. Were you so pointing at her as much? The whole much? time I was sticking my finger like this. No, I wasn't. But You're aware of the term
0: microaggression? <laughs> pointing at you. But um, to- you know, toxic shirbulinity? Okay, keep
2: going. Basically <laughs> someone who had found CrossFit as a fan and is starting out from, you know, essentially scratch. This is the way I've got it. I haven't actually had a chance to work with her in person. She was there for a small smidgen of the summer and then went off to school, so I didn't see her anymore. So this is someone more or less coming from pretty green in CrossFit, like as a fan of the sport, doesn't have a lot of experience and wants to basically start the track to, you know. You
1: have a, you have a, as a relatively new CrossFitter, you have a golden opportunity to learn how to do things and being at the Wyndham gym, like a misfit gym where you know that you're going to get like coached and how to do things correctly. um, You have a golden opportunity to Kind of maybe take a slower on ramp approach. I don't mean literally like on ramp class, but I mean like really take the time to learn how to move correctly, how to do the exercises correctly. Make sure that if you're somebody, I'm a, 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 a she younger, like
2: teenager, yeah, I'd like say as she's well probably. As I, I want to say she's probably a freshman or sophomore. In college. Okay, so
1: you you probably don't have like a massive background or history of like either injuries. You probably move well enough to to not have like these massive mo- you know someone who starts crossfit is like a 40 year old you've got a lot of time spent in whether it's sitting at a desk basically like you're gonna you have a lot of undoing of certain habits and positions and like physical limitations to work around as somebody who's younger you probably don't have quite as many of those so you again have like this perfect opportunity to learn how to do things correctly to um get like move in such a way that gets you in the correct, like positions, like learning how to as silly as it sounds like perfect your air squat. Um, there, there's just so many, there's so many people who either come from athletic backgrounds who jump into CrossFit and, um, just by nature of either being competitive or being good enough to kind of really get after it and get into it. They skip over some of the more fundamental aspects that have, that will, will, be, will play in their favor in the much longer term um and and you don't have those to to kind of overcome so my recommendation is is to go to misfit gym windham take affiliate class for you know as long as you are still seeing progress and only then you ask sherb or one of the coaches like hey what's what's the competitor extra from the team misfit affiliate programming once you've kind of Establish that base of conditioning and strength to to continue building. But um, as someone who's just getting started, man, you have a, a a really golden opportunity to learn how to do things correctly, so that you don't five years down the road, you're like, man, I really wish I started doing this correctly instead of having to undo some poor movement patterns or some poor habits that you established because you wanted to kind of get after it too quickly.
0: I'll go a little bit higher level, um, very similar though, and just say, just do not try to to outmaneuver the natural order of things. It takes time. It takes a lot of work. I had a conversation with a like really, really high level athlete last week looking to switch programs and they said explicitly, I know it's going to take me five or six years to get to the point that I want to. And like you don't want to creep them out and start clapping on a Zoom, um, <laughs> but just understanding I know what you. you do that, oh, often. I did. understanding <laughs> what it takes to get from point a to point B is so important. And the good thing is within our ecosystem, it's very much like you can go to a team misfit gym and until you are obliterating the programming, you don't add in that competitor extra. And then once you start doing that, you have this existential crisis of, am I now a hatchet athlete in open gym? And am I going to be able to recruit people to train with me? That whole deal. Um, and then you're absolutely obliterating that and you're flirting with where you want to be quarterfinals wise, almost semifinals, then you probably need a remote coach um, and potentially following hatchet again or MFT to get to semifinals of the CrossFit games. Um, I know that sounds lofty, but the people who actually
2: take the time and are patient, that's how they do it. Yeah. My thoughts always go to build your energy systems. So get your, get your conditioning up, be able to go short, medium and long, and then really give a shit about how you're moving and everything else. And if you do those two things for a long enough time, you'll progress at the rate that'll basically outweigh everybody else who tries to make the leaps that you were just talking about. So energy systems and really care about how you move and, you know, come to the affiliate and be like, "How can I get the best workout today?" which is typically what I recommend to everyone kind of starting out with the gym, you know, whether that's competing at the CrossFit Games or trying to be healthy. It's like, ask your ask your coach how to get the best workout each day, and we will help set you up for the best possible progression on a long enough time scale that you don't get hurt, but you see progress continually. Is it me? Yeah, it is me, and
0: you know? I already answered this question but uh we can shout out the change again i love the discord channel but how come we don't have a real leaderboard to put up our scores misfit athletics x fitter coming soon free with all memberships we did it we did it i'm still gonna make you guys do final thoughts even though i'm about to pee my pants
2: uh well i'll say thanks take for your, the questions take, your time. But, take
1: you know, your time guys thanks for the yeah.
2: questions and i really do think people took the time to be thoughtful <laughs> with like what actually would help them but also potentially or were brave enough to throw that out there because there are probably at least 15 other people who are thinking the exact same thing that didn't have the uh, the gall to say it just yet and again the more that people do this the more other people are going to see it's okay and ask more questions and we can help move the community along more and more so yeah No, i like these q a podcasts um i think they're a nice kind of peek behind the curtain of like what's in your all in all all of your minds when you're thinking about your training and the more we can know about you and the way you're thinking about training the more useful we can be as you know programmers and coaches here so i'd like to do more of these but you know we'd love to see more questions next time
1: i would love to answer your questions in person at misfit athletics training camp true um Because we can get into the more most of the times these questions are like, well, I'm going to provide a general answer that will hopefully help more people than just you exclusively. Um, And a lot of times that's just because additional context that's necessary to provide you with a specific answer isn't there. But you come to a Misfit Athletics training camp, you get the opportunity to do Q&A on the you know on the last day with the with the coaches and whatnot and then probably more importantly we talked about it last week is like you get so much more out of asking questions and talking to fellow campers who uh because ultimately you know 50 of you are still probably going to have more information than maybe just the three of us uh in a conversation like that um and then you also just learn to ask questions you didn't even know to ask and and you get those answers as well. So uh, just a little plug for training camp.
0: Uh, if the word discipline makes you think of your mean uncle or some coach who screamed in your face when you were a kid, um, we can switch over to the word habitual. Um, I'm wearing a shirt right now that is about to be dropped. This is little by little on it. This is already dropped. We're in the future we're <laughs> in the past. We're everywhere. You're never there. <laughs> pound for pound of best for ever come around here. You're excluding nobody. Look what I embody. Soul of a hustler. All right. Um, The little by little collection is out now. And more than anything, I'm just obsessed with this concept and this mindset of in, you know, in the actual moment, can you continue to put one foot in front of the other? Oh, I can't do burpees. Okay, you can't do burpees, but can you step up? Can you bring your feet together? Can you hop? Can you turn? Can you throw yourself back down under the ground? Um, Just one foot in front of the other, all that stuff. We talked a bit about the idea of the natural order of things. That is the natural order of things. You have to just keep at it. You have to show up every day and get after it. And
2: I was going to ask you if you saw this, Drew, before we end the podcast, there was a great post by Justin, (laughs) Justin Sua. And he was showing the growth over a long enough time, right? It's this giant exponential curve. Yeah. But then there was like a magnifying glass on one section of it. And it's this type of stuff up and down, up and down, up yeah. and down. And just realize that like that's what life is. Ups and downs, up and ups and downs. But the more consistent you be you are with your training and how you live your life, the more you're gonna see that curve tick up and up. And I think that's really like what the little by little is all about is When in starting.
0: doubt, zoom out. Yep. It's from the stock market. Works a lot better with applying to real life.
2: Can we do it. Stonks.
1: <laughs> still know Yeah that? we did it what stonk all right ladies and gentlemen thank <laughs> big you big stonk <laughs>
0: thank you for tuning in to another episode of the misfit podcast and thank you to our show sponsors you can get this little by little shirt or the other shirts that the other guys on this podcast are wearing at sharpen use the code word misfit proper use the code word misfit you can't use the code word misfit at sharpen the Axe Co, but you know what to do and last but not least head to misfit.camp and get signed up for quarterfinals prep camp march 4th and 5th join us march 3rd for 23.3 at misfit jim Portland. we'll see you next week Watch out.